Hello and welcome to the My Movie DNA podcast. My name is Johnny Andrews and I love movies. Thank you for listening. My guest for this bumper Christmas episode is David McCann, one of my oldest friends from Manchester. David and I used to work together in the late 2000s, although we really didn't get much work done. And not only has he remained one of my best friends ever since, he's somebody whose taste in films I really respect. This conversation was recorded online in mid-November of 2022 and ends up being the longest My Movie DNA episode yet. Our talk covers the films of Paul Thomas Anderson, Christopher Nolan and Meryl Streep, and we go some way to solving trans-Tasman relations with Matt Cousins and Jane Campion. Okay, here we go. Recording in progress. Good morning. Hey. <laughs> good morning. Good after, Good evening. Good evening. Good evening and good night. Yeah. From very, very cold Luton. Sorry, I, I have some Roger Moore sound sound pads to uh, to to greet you. Good afternoon. I love that. Thank you. Thank you, Roger. So you're in and thank you, Johnny. You're in Luton. You know, the glamour never ends. The glamour never ends. <laughs> Luton uh, Airport. Specifically, yeah, I mean I it's it's quite close to the airport. So I'm kind of hoping from a noise perspective the we don't get any overheads wow. while this is going on. Am Smith. I your first international guest? No. So David, the one, the other David, two Davids now. Uh, so he's he was in the Midlands, in West Brom. Bloody hell. Well, am I your first Irish guest? Yes. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> it had to be something because I was like, who's, I, was, I re-listened to one the other day. Just one of my because because Karen's was one of my favorites because I just think that she's a hoot. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, I'm not I'm not as interesting as Karen. I was like, what what on earth is it? How is he going to introduce me? How is he going to yeah bio me? But you'll figure something out. I, I I mean I work in marketing now, so I can I can do some copy for you. I can jazz it up. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, welcome to my movie DNA, David McCann. Thank you so much for having me. It's a dream. It is a dream. It really is a dream. No one's ever asked me to be on a podcast before. So this is your first one? Very first one, yeah. Somebody in work tried to get me to start one, but it was basically going to be a marketing one. Uh, like and a work-specific work one. Like, exactly, and I was like, that sounds so boring. I don't want to have any any part in that whatsoever. So you kind of so, it. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. I think I'm much. I think I'm much more suited to being a podcast guest, yeah, than a podcast host. So we used to know each other. Well, we do know each other. Let's we just do. say we, we still know. We, we still know each other. I still am aware of your presence. Yeah. Well, in, we, this, in this mortal plane. Let's tell everyone how we met. So we met. Uh, yeah. I would think 15 years ago. Yes, I would say that you're probably spot on. 15 because years ago, it would have been 2007. Yeah. In good old Mancunia. Uh, yeah, Manchester. And we met, mm. uh, so I was contracting in a job just before I moved to New Zealand. Yep, correct. Should we name and where I... we worked? Does it matter? Yeah, because is anyone going to know? Does it even still exist in, in that format? 
I, uh, we worked for Cooperative Financial Services. We did. Otherwise known as CFS. Um, and we both worked in HR-related activities. Yeah, recruitment. Fair to say. Wasn't it, I think. Yeah. So Something we, like that. We worked in what is still called, I think, the CIS Tower. We did. Uh, which was the tallest building in Man- in the UK at one point when it was built. Yeah. And had a very nice canteen. Remember? Yeah, that was a beautiful canteen, actually. Because you could actually, that was like the first place that I, I'd ever worked where it was like, you can go around to different stations yeah. and this one's doing pizza. Yeah. This guy's doing teriyaki noodles. I have, and I was like, oh, well, this is, this is the life. Yeah. I have very good memories of that. And they had like a Costa coffee as well in the, in the yeah. basement. It's fun. Like I have nothing like yeah. that here in my, no. uh, where I work. I work, I, I work for a much better company now with a much worse lunch setup. So there is that, you know, in the darkest of times, cause it was fairly, Fairly boring job and a fairly nondescript office that we worked in, but the but the the yeah the canteen bit was legit. Favorite memories of working at CFS? Meeting you, because <laughs> oh. spe- no that no that is true because it was I find it to be quite a painfully dull job, yep. and I think were I not sitting across from you and being introduced to such things as the office US, let's not forget. Um, which you used to bring in for me. You oh, used to bring in. I don't remember that DVDs. But... Yeah, you used to wow. used to bring me in DVDs with all the files downloaded or purchased <laughs> legally from from <laughs> Apple. It was it was a different time. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It really was a different time. Um, yeah. No. So that that I, I think that is that is my favorite. My, that is my favorite memory. Of the job was just sitting opposite you and having the chat. It was a good team to think... be in, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't think I would have lasted as long. I was I I'd only ever intended it to be a stopgap because it was my I'm doing this before I go back to university to study to be a teacher. Yeah, so it was never going to be for the long haul, um, which they didn't know because yeah, yeah. I'd obviously told I'd obviously told them I'm like yeah no I'm definitely here for for life, um, <laughs> but and then yeah just used milked it for whatever it was worth. Met you. And I think you and one other person from there are basically the only things I've retained from that, from that time in my oh. life. So the, there you go. Thank you. The other thing that you're you're notable for is you took the very first photo of me that I put on Facebook. Did you know that? Really? Mm. Is that is that your someone's leaving drinks? No, it was or just a Christmas day. It was me and Toots in the in the canteen eating soup or something. It was just the most nondescript really? photo, yeah. But that's the first. Oh wow! Because I think I, I think my wife had joined by that point, Facebook, but not I hadn't. And I think maybe you told me to join it or something. Because I had this great photo of you that you needed yeah. to, need to <laughs> share with the, the world. world. <laughs> You're like this must be seen. This canteen photo. Right. Maybe yeah. I was just maybe I was just like Johnny. We will never be in a canteen as great as this again. Yeah. Um, this moment needs to be documented. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. The other, I, I we do there is there is another photo of us that exists on Facebook, um, and I will send it to you after this. Okay. Um, but it's basically me sporting what can only be described as the worst mullet ever i think i was in the process of kind of growing out a mullet as i was working with you beautiful and yeah i really had sort of like 
it, the best way I can describe it is, you know, Lamal, the mm. singer Lamal, really sort of like straightened, you know, parts of it, segments. Uh, it has to be seen to be believed. I don't know. Maybe you're. Uh, maybe we could link your podcast listeners to it somehow, and they can judge for themselves just how terrible it was. The uh, the other work memory I have uh, is that, and, and I don't know if you know about this, but when I joined CFS, I had just been made redundant maybe like a year before, which really knocked me for six. Oh, wow. And Not from there. No, no from, from, a, somewhere else. from somewhere else. Uh, okay. So that, and I'm still like for some, you know, in some way recovering from, from, from that the experience. Trauma. Yeah. And I remember I had, I celebrated a birthday, which was probably my 29th birthday when I was at CFS and you guys had like got me like a little like gift bag of of presents and it yeah it really like i was yeah tearing up and i still Aww. i still have those presents they're in the uh they're in the garage somewhere but uh it was like it's, a little superman it, if you remember that that you, i do i do remember that you pressed him and he punched yeah. or something and uh yeah it was really nice and uh, i think wow we really we really got you some great stuff no it was good and it <laughs> I wasn't expecting it, and it, uh, yeah, it really took me by surprise. And it, it, I think it, it well, it, it went some way of restoring my uh, my faith in humanity. Well, I think that's the that's the the takeaway from that, right? Like, if you went through that very bad experience with your previous job to come to somewhere that actually there were nice people there, and it was even though the job itself, I knew it wasn't the job that I wanted to do forever. I was like, these, it's, I don't hate waking up and going to work every day with these people. So not well, not all of it. Sure. Kate was a hoot and a half. Yeah, big time. She was such good fun, and probably still is really good fun. Yep. But you have reminded me. Speaking of of gifts, you've reminded me that on my because I left, uh, I think bef- before you. Because I can't remember when you left, but I think I I did leave before you, and you guys had again in a very similar nice way to the the birthday gifts. You guys had decorated my desk with like confetti and balloons but i have an absolute which you could have possibly known about but i have a a a terrible phobia of balloons so it was kind of like a it was like a ah thank you so thanks so much for for doing that that's uh that's so nice of you please remove them immediately from my presence interesting there you go yeah i don't know i don't know what that's from there's just something about them that really is off-putting Wow. I think it's the texture, yeah, and my and my fear of them just like suddenly popping, you know. Mm. There you go. Okay. <laughs> it's so far we've not talked about anything to do with movies. <clears throat> yeah, we're coming on to that, and we're going to spend a long time. We're getting time. to it. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> getting to it. So you you are in marketing now. You're not a teacher. You, you train to be a teacher. I'm not a teacher. I trained to be a teacher uh, in. So I did, so I went back to university in 2007 to specifically do an English degree, uh, with a view to becoming an English teacher. So that was always the plan. Then I did my teacher training in 2010, and got my first teaching job in 2011. And I was basically there in a lovely school in Hertfordshire. Uh, for seven years so saw through a whole cohort of, of kids amazing still connected with loads of them on facebook they're all doing amazing things with their lives um but i decided that that was enough mm. i was like it's you this so the, the british education system has to sort of be seen to be believed and the level of government interference in the curriculum 
the the things that they were making they were making kids go back to what i felt was a really like draconian way of teaching yeah or, or learning learning rather um and having them having to memorize quotations from shakespeare and not have a book in front of them for the exam and i was like i don't want to be teaching this anymore i was like this is this is not fun i feel like they've they also didn't want you to teach anybody who wasn't english heritage Uh. so they didn't want any american authors or irish authors or so all the influences that you that i wanted to bring into the classroom and that i had learned so much about and loved I felt up and snatched away from me. And I was also just exhausted because teaching is is a job that just takes over your life. Yeah. Um, and I was, again, listening to Karen's podcast. I was like, wow, we maybe have had a similar similar exodus kind of situation with, with the old teaching. Did you, I'm guessing you did, you did know Karen O'Leary then before you listened to that podcast? You... No, I, no, I oh, didn't. Okay. I didn't know her at all, but I... I really enjoyed her podcast. I yeah. think she was just really, really funny. Again, that's why I was saying to you, I was like, oh my goodness, how do I compete with that? Because <laughs> he's already got an ex-teacher, yeah. but she's an ex-teacher turned ac- actor. So I'm like, how do you compete with that? You don't You don't need to compete with anyone. It's you don't. That, yeah. The answer is, yeah, the answer in life is just not to, don't compare yourself to anyone, right? Yeah. That's the way. So we're going to... Yeah, no, no, so, now I'm in marketing. Now I'm in marketing, yeah. For in, in what industry? In, wait for it, recruitment. Ooh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's a bit more it's a bit more glamorous than it sounds. So I basically get to design the advertising campaigns for big companies like John Lewis and oh, wow. JCP. So so lots of the sort of like lots of the campaigns that people will have seen on yep. TV and in print are things that I've had a hand in. Have, so, have yeah. we had the big John Lewis Christmas thing yet? Has we have. I, I've had. I, I've had nothing to do with that one this this year. Um, but this year's one is a very sober, serious one. Uh, okay. It's 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 one. It's actually very nice. But it's it. They're in, they're working in partnership with um, Action for Children. Okay. So it's one about a, It's about a dad learning to skate on a skateboard so that he can. Um, teach so so that he can have something in common with his foster yeah, daughter when she arrives just before christmas so it's a lovely message but yeah i think probably one of their one of their more serious ones for, yeah for a while. i uh i did hear someone earlier in the year crack a joke that this year's john lewis christmas ad would be <laughs> two people meeting in the queue at the queen's funeral <laughs> queen's you know <laughs> Oh my god! Maybe they didn't have enough time to. uh, Maybe that'll be next year's. Yeah, that could be next year's. The queue, the the meat cute for sure. (laughs) So we're going to talk to you about your favourite films and the films that made you. As a kickoff question, what was the last film you watched? Oh, I feel like I should have known that this one was coming because I know that you do tend to start your podcasts with this, and yet everybody, including me now, apparently seems to struggle with remembering what it was that they watched. Um let me do you know what do you know what I do know what it was? It was Don't Worry Darling. Ah, nice. I I um because it's finally I, I I didn't want to go to the cinema to see it because I'd heard such terrible things. But it came it came to streaming last week here in the UK. So I thought, why not? So this is the Gotta new see what, what, Olivia Wilde film that is the, 
the the yeah the very the much hyped much anticipated and and much maligned Olivia Wilde film yeah and what did you think I thought that it I've not was, seen it by the way I'm just yeah I, oh I'm surprised you haven't seen it because you seem to be on top of everything um, I thought that it was basically like a sort of overlong Black Mirror episode right. and not as good as some Black Mirror episodes sure. but. What I am going to say is that it definitely doesn't deserve all the hate that it that it gets. And Harry Styles is not nearly as bad an actor as everyone mm. has kind of made out. Okay. Florence Florence holds the whole thing together as you would expect. She's wonderful. Um, yeah. She's amazing. She's incredible. Like you, you give her anything to do, and she'd like instantly make it better. Um, but it wasn't terrible, is what I'm going to say. I've seen a lot of people on Letterboxd, which you introduced me to. Thank you for that. I'm sure other platforms are available, if I need to say that. I don't think there um, are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's loads of them. Um, but I've, so I, I look at that now on a daily basis, and I see so many people giving it like one star, half star, no stars. And I'm like, come hmm. on, it's not that bad. And I think a lot of people have hopped, hopped a little bit on the hit bandwagon yep. with it. So I thought it, I thought it was fine. I thought it was watchable, somewhat entertaining, a nice idea, maybe not totally executed the way it could have been. And what now do you think for Olivia Wilde? Because so Booksmart, her first film was wow. really good. I loved it. Amazing. And that was really promising. Amazing. And then this seems to have been sort of overshadowed by all the, you know, yeah, everything that's happened around the film. Exactly. I think for Olivia Wilde, if I was Olivia Wilde, I would be taking it, I would be stripping it back and going back to yeah, comedy. Something small. Because, and yeah, something small, and, and casting like relative unknowns, you know, like getting people like Caitlin Dever and, um, I don't even know how to pronounce that right, and, and Beanie Feldstein to, to be in those amazing parts and in that film and just be so funny yeah. was just great. Like, I don't know. I don't necessarily know that she needed to totally stray away from that formula and go in the complete opposite direction in terms of like filmmaking. Yeah. You know, she. I, I don't know. I, I hope that she. I'm sure she can recover from this. I feel. I feel a lot of. Um, I feel a lot of. You know, hatred has been very unfairly apportioned towards her. Mm. She made it. She made a film. It wasn't great. But I don't think that she deserves to be cancelled because of it, you know. We're going to go back to your childhood. Oh, wonderful. In so many years ago. Northern Ireland? Yeah, Where Northern about, Ireland. Whereabouts in Northern Ireland? So I was born in a town called Down Patrick, which the claim to fame for that time is that that is where St. Patrick is buried, ah. officially. That's been verified. Um, so that's where I was born. And then I moved out to the country, to a little town called Newcastle, which is live, sort of, a, I literally lived at the foot of a mountain. I know it sounds very sort of like, wow. I might be in Heidi or something right now, but that, that is what it was like. Um, and yeah, so I, my life, my early life was very kind of like rural, small towns and rural villages, yeah. as you would expect nice. from Northern Ireland. Yeah. Uh and what was your earliest movie memory? So I was thinking, because this is obviously a question that you had given me. So I was, I was trying to give this some thought, and I was thinking. So I had obviously, I had obviously seen The Wizard of Oz, and I remember, I remember seeing that, but that's, but I don't remember 
thinking that much about it other than having seen it on TV. So that's not my earliest memory. My earliest memory is actually watching Return to Oz, uh, the yes. 1985 dystopian classic that is horror film. Return to Oz. Horror, well, yeah, absolutely. But w- the reason why it's sort of like ingrained on my mind forever is because my parents were my parents are also big movie lovers and always very much encouraged you know it was very much a case of we had we didn't have blockbuster we had something called extra vision which was the same thing but just an irish brand um and we were always brought there every week to rent three films one for me one for my brother one for my sister and you had it for two nights and you would just get through all three films but my parents were really cute they used to like they used to make um the living room into a cinema wow and my dad my dad even went to sort of like the extreme lengths of creating um like a a, a tray like a, a tray oh, that you yeah, could over your neck. have snacks on yeah yeah of your neck tray and my mum would make popcorn like fresh popcorn and she would put it into little bags that she'd bought, and that would also be on the tray. So they really went to town, and they made that into a big thing. Um, so I'm, I'm one of my, I'm definitely, I would have been three or four, probably four, whenever I watched that film. Um, and I remember that really, really well because I was like, this is nothing like, it's nothing like the other film that I watched about this character. Um, it's it's amazing, but it's also it was horrifying, and I think I had nightmares about the wheelers in particular for like weeks afterwards i was convinced that those crazy creatures on on weird roller skate legs were coming to get me it's a crazily dark film isn't it considering how i know the 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 original has like dark moments in it yes but just the whole tone of return to us just feels very uh you know, it's, it feels very designed to uh, scare kids. Yeah, definitely. And just, and it has, I don't know, the the the, um, the elements where she's back in Kansas and is being taken to a mental institution, for example, you're kind of like, whoa, like, how did we, I don't remember Auntie Anne being like that in, in the first film, like wanting to lock this girl up. Yeah, but I, but it, but I really like, I've gone back to that film several times and I can now... I can now watch it without fear of the wheelers. I've, I've made my peace with that. <laughs> and, and yeah, I think I just sort of, I, I like it because I think it's just such a crazy, like batshit film, but I, I sort of appreciate it on different levels. And I, I kind of like some of the grown up themes that they have in it. And I like the parallels. They do a lot. They, they work really well with the parallels between the characters from the human world and Oz, yeah. um, which they did in the wizard of Oz as well. But yeah, it's great. And Jean Marsh is amazing in it. Who's the as, lead as, uh, girl in it? Theresa Ball. That's right, yeah. I knew it was someone yeah. famous. Interesting. Well, someone someone almost famous. Yeah, was famous. Come on, please tell me. Please tell me you got that reference. She was in Almost Famous. Oh, very nice. Very nice. I loved it. <laughs> 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 I thought you I thought if anyone was gonna get that it would be you, Johnny. Uh yeah, apologies. <laughs> I well it's seven AM here, so I'm still quite tired. True. That's so uh, if, true. If, I'll, I'll let you off. If any other references go over my head, please please point them out. So with with, yeah. with this awesome cinema setup at home, then you must have mm. had a love of film fostered 
for you from an early age? Oh, totally, totally. And I think my, you know, my dad in particular really encouraged us to choose different things. Yeah. You know, he was like, we're, we're going to come here every week. You're going to be able to choose, like each of you will get to choose your films. Um, so branch out, you know, so it, it could be one week, it could be the Karate Kid. The next week, it could be a Disney film. Mm. You know, the week after that, you might go for something like Adventures in Babysitting. Like they were very, they sort of encourage you to step outside of your comfort zone a little bit in terms of what you would go for. And I like that because I think, you know, there's so much choice today for kids on on all the different streaming platforms. But I think, you know, I look at my sister's kids, for example, and they're very much kind of like, I like this and this is what I watch. I watch this, this and this. Whereas I think my dad sort of encouraged us to take risks with our film viewing choices which led to me then having what i think is quite an eclectic you know taste in films yep, i'd agree with that There's, I, I like i like a lot of different things and i also like i i like a lot of things that are very uncool like mm. and i'm also not afraid to say that yep. i like them i think a lot of people try to put their best foot forward and be really edgy whenever they talk about their love of films but i'm not afraid to say that i like a lot of really silly well, and just fun kitsch yeah, films, yeah. you know. I like the democracy of of each of you and your siblings having a film to choose each, which just feels nice. Well, it was nice. It it then it escalated though a little bit into something that became less nice. <laughs> so, yeah. whenever so to go to the cinema was a big deal um, because it was far away from where we lived so you you'd be traveling an hour to get to a cinema mm. so we would do that we would sort of do that once my parents are still really good about it that they would take us at least once a month but what they did for that was it would be rotational you know you'd get right. to choose then your sibling would get to choose and we we had got older by this point so our tastes were starting to manifest and become a little bit more fixed yeah so i and i specifically remember one one week my brother suggest like picking the film and he i can't remember exactly what he picked but he picked something that he knew would just not vibe with me it was something like men in black i had no interest in seeing yeah and i remember just being like i don't want to go and see that but but again as you said quite rightly it was a democracy so it was his turn yeah so to get to get him back the next week but also because i wanted to or the next month but also because i wanted to go and see it i was like without missing a beat whenever i was asked what i wanted to go and say i was like sense and sensibility nice that's what i wanted to go and say that will and show I did, him. And, I re- I, and i really and i really enjoyed it but yep. i know that he hated yeah, every yeah, second yeah, yeah. of it whereas i actually quite enjoyed men in black yep. in the end yep. nice <laughs> So, yeah. And what type of films did you sort of lean towards when you were growing up? Pretty much everything. I think I was like the little the little gay boy in me definitely leaned into Disney films um and certainly musicals, particularly yeah. like the, you know, the MGM musicals like All the Rodgers and Hammerstein, nice. Sound of Music, all that kind of stuff. Like that was just catnip to me and yeah, that I think I think the Sony Music was the first like VHS that I ever officially owned. Yeah, got it got it for Christmas. I remember Christmas presents being laid out from Santa, and I had asked for the Sony Music, and I remember bypassing a potentially bypassing a bike and a light up globe, which is also some, something I'd asked for that year to be like it's the Sony Music on VHS. I Beautiful. was so excited. 
And I probably, uh, pr the irony of that as well is that I had asked for a film for Christmas that was on TV every Christmas. Mm. So I could have just, I could have just recorded it. Yeah. But it's I different when you've got it. in your hand though, isn't it? It's, you know, a tangible I wanted thing. it. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to see my, my parents, um, our whole family is very musical and I've always been into musical theater as have they. So I, so my mum was in a, a high school production of the sound of music, which somebody randomly had recorded like mm. on audio, on audio cassette. So I used to listen to that before I'd even seen the film. I'd listened to that show about a million times and I, and I, I was just like, please, I just, I just want to see the sound of music. Somebody buy me this film. Yeah. And yeah, eventually Santa came through for me. So, yeah. And then, but, but as I say, even as a kid, it was pretty eclectic. Like, you know, I would just as happily watch, you know, Beauty and the Beast as then watch Terminator 2. Yeah. You know, I was that, I was definitely that kid. Yeah. And I think I went through a teenage phase where I re you might, might remember this as well, because our generation was whenever they first introduced the 12 mm, certificate correct. films. In August and 1989. Remember, oh, wow. Well, there you go. I remember being very, like, thrilled about that. Because I, 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 I would have been 12 in 1994. Mm -hmm. So I remember the first 12 film that I was able to rent from mm -hmm. our blockbuster um, was Clueless. Yeah. And I was so excited about it because I was just like, this, this is so grown up. Like my my siblings can't watch this this is not for them um and yeah so i loved clueless and i think that sort of set me off in a bit of a, a teenage phase of going through high school comedies you know and yeah. and that kind of thing but not not the most uh not the most noble or worthy of films potentially but fun nonetheless and just going back to musicals so i'm not a big musicals fan although I, I can appreciate them <laughs> i can appreciate certain ones what ones would well you appreciate? i was just gonna say last summer or last new zealand summer so last this time around this time last year so your winter i uh i watched west side story for the first time the new the new one or the well old one? i watched the old one because i knew the new one was coming out okay. uh, and i really enjoyed it the old one or the new one both of them really i, I thought the new one okay. was was a bit pointless it was because it was pretty much shot for shot, right? Yeah. Like it was, apart from a few minor changes. I will say though that I really liked the new one. I thought it was, like, I'm gonna sound like Harry Styles now, but it's it felt like a proper film. Yeah, and I and I felt like I hadn't seen something like that, like that in a while, like with just that level of production values yeah. Yeah. and cinematography that you know and that kind of style i was just like this is like what and even down to things like the sound editing like whenever they're doing the the dance off on the roof i was like oof this is crisp yeah. Yeah. this is so nice it was it was quality i i hear it's it's defenders online argue that it's not a remake of the 1961 film 61 or 62 they say it's a adaptation of the stage musical but come on. Oh, interesting. Come on. I mean, that's ridiculous. Because, it is ridiculous. Because there's quite clearly so many tropes and also just like the stylistic setup of the yeah. dance routines have almost been lifted in yeah. I uh I do think that it's a 
that, that Spielberg's film is is a fantastic film. I just see it as quite pointless and empty. Yeah, and you know, yeah, I'm with I'm with you on that. It, it didn't. There were certain things like, and I imagine I wasn't. I'm not precious about West Side Story. It's not one of those films that I'm like, oh, no one must ever touch that. But if somebody said to me, for example, we're going to do a remake of The Sound of Music, I'd be like, why? Yeah, that already that already sort of exists. And I, I'm not one of those people who's a purist and is like, nothing can be touched. Like, remakes are fine and they don't detract from anyone's enjoyment of the original. So I'm very much that guy. I, I'm like a fierce proponent of that. But there are some things where I'm just kind of like, that really does feel pointless because that's there are iconic films yep. that just don't necessarily need yep. to be improved upon For or... Me- whatever for me it's it's a it's a weird situation because people are always bringing up the subject of remaking jaws which of course is a spielberg film and everyone says you don't need to remake it it's a perfect film (laughs) but you know 20 years from now spielberg if spielberg can do it to perfect films exactly someone can do it to his and someone could say (laughs) well we're we're remaking we're doing an adaptation of the original novel we're not remaking the spielberg films (laughs) I would, yeah. Okay, now I kind of want it that to happen just so somebody can say that. Um, would you be appalled by the notion of a Jaws remake? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Like you said, I think certain iconic films don't need to be remade. And I, I, I think Jaws is in, definitely in that category. Things like Ghostbusters, you know, it's not really a remake what they what they did with the, uh, the all-female one. After, Afterlife was great. Though. Yeah, I liked Afterlife. I really enjoyed that. But the, the all-female one. Was... The all female one. So I, <laughs> I remember hearing about that, and I remember everybody just being up in arms about it. I happen to love each and every single one of those women. Yes. So I was like fiercely defending them. I was like, you, you like, don't tell them what they can't do. The, you know, these are just because you do, you think it's a male thing. These are fantastic, incredible women. And I was really defending it. Then I watched it and I was like, that was shit. Yes. <laughs> that was absolutely shit. Kristen Wiig, I adore you with every fiber of my being, but that was shit. It's a film that managed to be lesser than the sum of its parts, doesn't it? You yeah. Know? And I think, I think if anyone was to ask any of those women if they liked that film, they would equally say, that's some of my worst work. Yeah. And I wish I hadn't done it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody's sitting there thinking that's a that's a highlight of my resume. Yeah, or it's been misunderstood. Yeah, <laughs> there's no yeah, there's nothing to understand about that film. It was it was total total crap. But yeah, I, it's, the Jaws thing's interesting though because part of me is like, ooh, I'd I would be interested to see like what they could do graphically with it. You know, mm. like just with the the advent of such great cinematography and but but then the other part of me is like i'm with you like it's just kind of great as it is yeah and i don't really care that i can kind of see some of the mechanics of the shark yeah it's just it's just jaws is jaws is kind of is that mechanical shark in a way do you know what i mean yeah even though you can see some of some of the the levers yeah that's that's part of it and it also didn't doesn't stop that shark from being any less terrifying even when i watch it now so yeah i'm with you i'll i'll any any petition you need me to sign i'll i'll sign it thank you (laughs) tell me about studying under carol and duffy 
So oh, studying under Caroline Duffy. Let's let's just say so, who who Caroline Duffy is for for listeners. Okay, so a, a very very famous and I suppose infamous. Uh, you can both could be true. Uh, British poet who became, I believe, the first female poet laureate. Mm-hmm. Um, 2009 so that, to 2019. Yeah, which in itself was, it was a very left of, of field choice, I think, for the royal family who are, I think, fair to say, pretty conservative in, <laughs> in most of their choices. Um, but yeah, she's studied um, massively and to this day still studied widely on GCSE and A-level syllabuses syllabi syllabuses i should know what what the plural of that word is it must be syllabuses um it, i think it is syllabuses because syllabi syllabi sounds ridiculous it does yeah but so does silly buses it sounds like silly buses yeah <laughs> english is just a weird language that's one of the very first things i taught because i taught language and literature oh, nice. and one of the very first things that i taught well not taught but imparted i guess to children in my GCSE classes was, listen, language belongs to the speakers yep. of the day and new words can be coined and, you know... It's an evolving might, thing, yeah. It's an evolving thing and I think they they appreciated that and, you know, I do too. Um, but yes, yeah, so she... Um, so I, I was already a big fan of hers um, and very unexpectedly, so it was actually because someone who was supposed to be a tutor on my poetry module course uh became ill so we had to drop out for the whole se- semester or term or whatever whatever you kids call it over there <laughs> in new zealand um dropped out for the whole term which meant they had to get somebody in now she is connected to manchester metropolitan university can't quite remember how i think she might have done um a doctorate there at mm. some point but anyway she agreed to come back and it was a, it was an absolute like jaw drop gasp moment because I bet. no one told us yeah. well no one told us that she was coming not just to deliver a lecture that would have, in itself would have been quite amazing but was actually going to be in the room with us walking around yep. giving us one on one advice because it was a poetry writing module that I was doing like a creative writing module and I was like my god this isn't even just about whether or not I have interpreted poems correctly and Carol and Duffy looking over my shoulder. And she's quite an intimidating woman. She's quite a force. Right. Like she's, she's has a gravitas about her that is just quite inexplicable. Cause she's not, she's not a tall lady, but she makes her presence felt. Sure. And she's very, like there was a, there was a, we had a bit of a jokester in our, in our tutor group called Peter who thought that he would have a bit of fun with her because she sort of agreed to do a bit of a and a thing with us on our first session because, you know, just to get clear the air a little bit and make everyone feel a bit more comfortable. And he was like, uh, can I just ask you, Caroline? He was like, um, is it a case that you hate all men? And then she she basically went into this, this sort of like very well-articulated response about how she couldn't possibly hate men. She... You know, she had a father of, of of her child. She had many gay friends who were male. So no, she couldn't possibly hate men. But she was like, and then in the end, she just sort of said, "But thank you, thank you so much for the question, Peter, and please know that I absolutely despise you." And it was just, <laughs> she was so cutting, and yeah, yeah, that was it. amazing. It was amazing. But she was, yeah, being under her tutelage for whatever it was, the best part of two months was 
really incredible. And I got some, I, I wrote a collection of poetry, which I'm still really proud of to this day. I have it bound and I read it, I read it back and I don't cringe. And I think part of the reason I don't cringe is because she gave such excellent advice and, and stopped me from, I don't know, indulging in too much tripe. Yeah. You know? So yeah, that was, that was my time with Caroline Duffy. That in itself sounds like the, the name of a film. It does, Me yeah. Caroline. That's right. I uh, I really miss the the cultural aspects of of the UK because it's very. What do you miss the most? Well, it's a bit of a wasteland here in that respect, and when I look back, I regret not going and doing things a bit more. Uh, so, for mm. example, I only found out since I've been here that uh, Sylvia Plath is buried in. I think Hebden Bridge or Todmorden. Oh wow! And if I knew that, then I would have gone and paid my respects. Yeah, but, you know. I think I do a lot more of those things now, though. I'm not sure that I would have done them in my twenties. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I'm not sure I would have been that interested. Like I, I went home a few months ago and I went to um, the Seamus Heaney Museum. Oh, like that's he's my some, favorite poet. Like, I love I love Seamus Heaney, and I have always loved Seamus Heaney. My dissertation was about Seamus Heaney. Um, but I still think the twenty-year-old me would have been like museum. Don't think so. Yeah. Whereas now, now I have a total appreciation for yeah all not not only those things for what they stand for, but I also have a great appreciation of just like the quietness of some of those places. Mm. That sounds really really old, but I'm just kind of like oh, I just like no one's here, like yeah. or, or very few people are here, and it feels people have like I think a museum or a library are kind of like two of the last places on earth that people still have a sense of like solemnity. Yep. That makes sense. And respect. A sort of like, yeah, respect, unless they're like, you know, throwing soup at paintings. Of course. Yeah. That's a weird <laughs> thing, isn't it? It's a, oh, it's kind of, I mean, when it was done once, I was like, okay, it's covered in glass. You've made your point. But now it seems to be that people are going to extreme lengths of just trying to outdo each other. And are they actually, achieving anything i think probably they're turning more people off the cars that they're I, I'm, like, I'm like no i'm pro oil so. now because you know they've been destroying yeah. <laughs> uh van gogh's and picasso what i wouldn't give right now for some coal that i could just burn in the corner <laughs> of this flat um I, yeah i think it's a tricky one because i i, I watch an interview with somebody i appreciate we're getting way off no no here, but you can edit, you di can edit digression it. is the is the is the key of this <laughs> the podcast of the game <laughs> I watched an interview on Newsnight and they had one of the key sort of like members of, of um, Stop Oil on there. And she made a really good point. She was like, you're not listening to anything else that we're doing. She was like, the only reason you have me on this show tonight is because of what we did. And I was like, God, that's true. Mm. She was like, the only reason I've got a platform. She was like, thank you for having me on. She was incredibly articulate, ran rings around the host and the sort of guest who was on to you know better um she she spoke beautifully and i was like and, and the point that she made she was like if if i hadn't done those things you wouldn't have had me on your show and i wouldn't yeah. have had the platform to tell people about these things she was like so we've got to the point now where sort of like civil chaos as they describe it is the only way that you'll pay attention she was like we don't want to be pouring out milk in the middle of waitrose we don't want to be throwing things at works of art 
she was like these are the, but this is the only way we can get your attention and that's kind of true because i think we've become such a society where where news is so consumable yeah that yesterday's lying in the street super gluing their hands to the road people are forgotten about the mm. next day so you almost have to do things that are like shock that yeah. shock people so i you know i don't want to see art destroyed and it isn't because it's well protected under various layers yeah. of glass. And even if it was, even if that art was destroyed, that is part of the art's life. Sorry, I've got a frog in my yeah. throat. <clears> throat. So one of my yeah, I mean, one of my favourite paintings is uh, the Night Watch by Rembrandt, which I've seen in Amsterdam, oh, and that oh. is scarred on the bottom uh, with acid. Somebody was yeah, throwing yeah. acid at it, you know, in like whenever it was. What they're doing is not necessarily new either. Mm. Like, you know, civil civil chaos has been a thing for a while. And I think I'm not using the right term. They have a word for it, don't they? Yeah. Civil disturbance or something. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, it's, you know, this this is not a new phenomenon. So, and you're right. The kind of like the battle scars of those paintings take on, take on a different life of their own then and have a different story to tell. Yeah. Some of them aren't even that good anyway. Well, it's, everything's subjective, isn't it? Well, this is it exactly. I mean, it's it's entirely possible that had I walked in to see Van Gogh's sunflowers um, and seen it covered in some Campbell's tomato soup, I'd have been like, "Oh, interesting choice." Yeah, nice. <laughs> you know, so there we go. Back to back to Shall movies. We get back to movies. Back to I'm movies. Say, let's get back to movies. Uh, do you have a favorite movie genre? <laughs> this this question flummoxed me. Because, because I was like, my God, does anyone does does anyone have a favorite movie genre? I like so many. I think some of my okay, I'll give you some of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I I, lo- I like dystopian films. Mm. Um, that's something that I'm, I find very interesting, and I think that's because I have a sort of like fixation on end times yeah. and how it will, and how that will happen. Those kind of films fascinate me. And sort of like to that end, I also really love disaster films. Yeah. Particularly if they have a, a historical element to them, if they're like real. Mm-hmm. So, you know, think more Titanic rather than Dante's Peak. Absolutely. Any, you can, you can get my attention, even if it's not a great film, even if it's not something that's going to be, you know, uh, a highly rated film on Rotten Tomatoes. You'll get my attention if there's a comet coming towards the earth or yep. a tsunami, or, you know, I even watched 2012, which was a, a complete abortion of a film. But I was still like, hey, things are blowing up, and yeah. there's big waves, and oh, look, there's the Statue of Liberty's head floating in some water. I really I really enjoy seeing the, the mass destruction of Earth, apparently. Nice. That's the thing. And I will fight anyone who says that, um, Armageddon is better than Deep Impact because Deep Impact is clearly the superior. Film. It is correct. Uh, uh, you're the first. You're the first person <laughs> I've spoken to who agrees with me on that. No, no, it is. Uh, it's the Michael Bayness of of Armageddon that just ruins it. The slow motion, Patriot, uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's terrible. And too much, too yeah, like space cowboys. You know, just the idea that oh, let's just get a ragamuffin group of people yeah. to go up like Deep Impact. You've got Robert Duvall heading up a team of experts, and I'm like, yeah. "This is the, this is the more believable one. This is the one that you know could actually happen." And uh, I actually think I had, 
had a debate about it with another <clears throat> teacher in school once. Mm. The kids hadn't seen either of the films, so it was really a case of which teacher do you like the best. <laughs> I, I, so, so I won that one. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Even though it might not be described as a disaster movie, have you seen 13 Lives yet, the new Ron Howard film? I have. What do you think of and that? It made, me feel, it made me feel incredibly uncomfortable yeah. for two main reasons. The first reason is that I am claustrophobic mm. and also have a fear of drowning. Yep. So you can imagine what watching those scenes was like. Secondly, I was incredibly uncomfortable listening to Colin Farrell and Viggo Mortensen's accents. Yeah, that was an odd choice, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, I mean, they just did. I know they were from England and therefore they needed to yeah. be English. But then either hire someone who's English yeah. or just dispense with the accents and say, you know, it's an interpretation. Yeah. So yeah, it that... was weird because they sounded like, it sounded a little bit, this is Spinal Tap in places. Yeah. I was like, what's going yeah. on here? Nigel Tufnell so, in a, in a that took me out. Of, that took me out of it a bit, but I but I thought it was very well done, yeah. very tense. Yeah. Um, and obviously it's a... It's, Everyone loves a story with a happy ending, right? Like that. I, re I really Sounds love good. Ron Howard just as a person. So he was, we have like a current affairs show in New Zealand that's on after the 6 p.m. news. And he was on that being interviewed for 13 Lives. And they yeah. had a New Zealand journalist interviewing him. And he was one of the journalists that was there in Thailand at the time. And he was like saying, oh, you know, he was telling him he was there and he was saying, oh, you've the the actual surroundings and the pro production design you got it spot on it was like perfect and like Ron Howard was like visibly like uh, he was like shocked that you know this guy had, had said that he he got it so right and he was saying oh I'm gonna go back and tell all the guys he was just really nice and he just seems like such he a, feels, the nicest I've, person I've heard I've heard a lot of stories about him he seems to be a very humble yeah guy right did he direct Willow. Yes. Love that film. I'm so excited for the new series as well. I'm not a fan of Willow. You're not a fan of Willow? I'm not. What, there's, there's, it's what's not to like about Willow? Fant I don't, I'm just not a big fantasy person. Okay. I've well, only, that would, yeah, I've only recently reappraised uh, Labyrinth because I've just seen it on the big screen. And I've spent okay. pretty much all my life just disliking that film. And uh, yes, yeah, something clicked when I saw it on the big screen. And, and I, I saw what I'd not been seeing on 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 home video maybe 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 it's time to give willow a maybe retry. it is maybe it is my wife's a big fan well, obviously be, i mean that of course her namesake mm. it had to be yeah we should maybe we should make it clear whenever i'm saying you're not a fan of willow you don't mean your <laughs> wife <laughs> um yeah no i i i love that whole again i associate that with being just one of those great films i enjoyed in childhood yep. You know, it had a great score as well. Like, just everything about it is just really fun, I think. And, yeah, I was into it. So The new series will probably let me let me down. Yeah. It will probably show. I feel like, it, because it is so of its time, I feel like if they try and make it cool and new um, with lots of good special effects, I yeah. might start focusing too much on the performances then yeah. and be let down. So watch the space I'll did keep you, you updated. did you see uh, light and magic the documentary about ilm no that was What's very that good on? so it's on disney it's a six-part okay. documentary about how they sort of built ilm to to do this oh, wow. the special effects in star wars but it then goes through the years and and i, I mention it because they touch on willow for 
I think episode five. It's like the first twenty minutes they spend on Willow. Oh, nice. Uh, so yeah, I'd I'd recommend it. It's a fantastic show. Yeah, that I mean that all fascinates me. I think about you know just films where they had built these incredible elaborate sets. Like Legend is another one that yeah. comes to mind. That yeah. is just again that's a that's a guilty pleasure of mine. I know that ostensibly that is not a great film but when you look at the scale of it and how they create like how uh, really sort of created a forest within a studio yeah. and you're just like wow that is so impressive it's crazy yeah. like that's you, you know you don't get the, that these days you don't get that these days and i was even saying to somebody the other day about that because we were talking about legend i was showing somebody a scene with darkness in it like and obviously that's tim curry but they didn't know it was tim curry they were like i recognize the voice um, who, who's the voice? And I was like, it's Tim Curry. I was like, and it's Tim Curry. It's not CGI Tim Curry. I was like, it's Tim Curry in prosthetics yeah. and makeup. I was like, it's the real deal. Yeah. And they, they sort of were, they couldn't get over that. And I was like, that, they really, like the lengths that they went to to make such a mediocre film <laughs> are incredible. <laughs> but I do, again, it's one of those ones that I love because it, again it's more of an experience than a film if that makes sense yeah sure do i sometimes you just want to watch a fantasy film and listen to a tangerine dream score yes you know the, their so scores are just beautiful i mean i am a massive massive fan of film scores i'm not a vinyl guy like you but i would say that probably my most listened to genre on spotify is nice. film score music nice. and i have lots of playlists like curated playlists of score score music favorite soundtrack yeah. or score this one was like this one was so so difficult to pick from because i love everything from like brian eno like to m83 again they're sort of like the tangerine dream of their day with mm -hmm. like electronica scores so the like the oblivion score even though it's a really meh film is just so stunning um Hans Zimmer's my guy for life like I just think everything that he touches is magical but I did pin it down and I've decided and it's, it's a bit out there but I'll try and explain my reasons um my favorite score of all time is probably Thomas Newman's score for the 1994 film Little uh, Women oh okay and if you think that you don't know that score I'm here to tell you that you do know it because its main themes were used in about 759 trailers yeah. between the years of 1995 and like 1999. It was, it was trailer magic. So it's got, it, and it's got Thomas Newman's again, one of my favorite composers because he uses a real different tapestry of like yeah, instruments. Yeah. He'll go for like where other people will just rely so heavily on strings. He'll be like, Hey, I'm going to just bring in this oboe. Yeah. And you're and it's, and it's gonna it's gonna kill you. It's gonna slay you. Yeah. So yeah, that's my. It's a beautiful, beautiful score, and it's just so. Yeah, it's such a rich score. So yeah, nice that's pick. The one. I've not actually seen Have that you, version of Little Women. Gasp! Did you like the 2019 one? Yeah. I, I okay. Well, 
Well, I'm going to say that the two that the 1994 one's better. Okay. Yeah. And and that's me saying that loving Saoirse Ronan, lo- loving Florence Pugh, loving so many of the people who were in that film, that I'm still going to say that the 94 one is 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 magic and a film that I probably watched like several several times. I would say that we're approaching maybe like a tenth watch of that film. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Greta Greta Gerwig is an interesting director. Uh I am I am fascinated by what Barbie is going to be. Uh, yeah, it it'll either be an absolute mess or it'll be the 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 greatest film ever made. I and I do you know what and I feel no like middle I'm ground. leaning towards I feel like I'm leaning towards the latter because everybody who talks about it says that it is something special yeah and all these people can't be wrong like these are we got people like will ferrell and margot robbie and all these people who are no fools that would not sign i feel like they wouldn't sign up to something crazy yeah i don't know you i think you're right it's either either they it will be something that is like generation defining or it will be absolutely god-awful yeah, I don't. I just don't. I just in my mind, I just I have no idea what's coming. Because when I heard they were making it, I thought it's going to be like the Brady Bunch movie. That will be the style. Yeah, but clearly, clearly they're going in a different direction. Yeah, I just love Greta Gerwig as just as an actor. Not, I mean, her her directed films so far have been great. But yeah, uh, Francis Ha and uh, what's the other one? Mistress America. Just absolutely fantastic. I think they're both Noah, Noah Baumbach films. I haven't seen either of those. What's, she's in a new one, isn't she? It has, has it been released yet? White Noise. One this year. White Noise. Yeah, that's the one that everyone's been talking about. And they're kind of... I think it's not been, like, very well reviewed. Uh, that's Noah Baumbach so, as well. Her but, husband. Okay. Yeah. I figured that was the that was the link. Yeah. But yeah, I've not so I've not actually had the pleasure of seeing her act. Can she act? Is she a good actor? Uh well she is she is probably the 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 female star of the that mumblecore movement. Uh, uh so it's, she's probably not for everybody. She's definitely of a of a type, definitely. And she plays like similar, you know, role in every film. But I yeah. think she is fantastic as as an actor and as a director. Uh, yeah, her directing chops are amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy to me that she doesn't have. But I would recommend yet. both Francis Hart and and Mistress America and probably Greenberg okay. as, as well as the is the third one. Now. I haven't heard of any of these films. That's wild. I think she just carved out a niche for herself in that in that movement as an actor. She, well, she's. She's also become like the the juggernaut of like A twenty four, right? Yeah. Anything right. anything she anything she wants to do, A twenty four will will front up the money. And why not? Because she hasn't steered them wrong yet. In this next section of the interview, I'm gonna I'm gonna play you some video. Oh, fun! So the reason for this is so two of my friends leaves me voice messages on Messenger, which I really like. <laughs> it's it's quite nice to hear your voice. Uh, yeah. I and think some so. people just do that, and some people don't do that but it's quite yes. nice quite nice to and it's weird that you leave me voice messages but i send you a text response that's it's, not unusual for yeah, me sure. and although i said that i'd never been on a podcast before people have responded to a voice note that i've sent them with a text message yeah. that simply says i didn't ask for a podcast because <laughs> because it, it will be it will be a seven minute voice note yeah fair enough 
I've just got a lot to say for myself. And uh, so I, <laughs> I, I like receiving those. And I was playing one of them to my wife a yes, while back. I think I remember this. Because some she of those... sounded like someone? Yeah, some of those messages, you're doing an impression of me presenting this podcast, yes. which I might go and find and put into the audio of this podcast. Just, I think you should, because yeah. I, I actually think that it's pretty spot on. <laughs> I, yeah, it was, it was quite good. Now we're here to give his valuable thoughts on the 1998 film Cruel Intentions. It's my old work colleague, David McCann. My wife, she said, oh, he sounds like that guy that you showed me in that film. And I'm like, well, you need to, you need to narrow You're gonna that, have to narrow that narrow down, down slightly. And she said, you know, you, 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 you played something to me and it was this man's voice and he was talking over the top and he had a, a you know, a similar voice. And it took me ages to figure out. And I don't know if I figured it out or she figured it out, but it was Mark Cousins, the Northern Irish film director. Yes. And I had, I remember I'd been playing her a part of his documentary, the story of film and Odyssey. Have you seen that? I haven't. Okay. So I'm going to play you something now. It's the intro to, to his show, the story of film, which was probably 2009, maybe this will all become clear when, uh, when I explain myself at the end of the 1800s, a new art form flickered into life. It looked like our dreams. Movies are a multi-billion dollar global entertainment industry now. But what drives them isn't box office or showbiz. It's passion, innovation. So let's travel the world to find this innovation for ourselves. We'll discover it in this man, Stanley Donnell, who made Singing in the Rain and in Jane Campion in Australia, and in the films of Kyoko Kagawa, who was in perhaps the greatest movie ever made, and in Amitabh Bachchan, the most Do you want to spot the mistake in that, in that narration? Uh, in that it doesn't sound like me at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, the mistake in the narration? Yeah. I was sort of more focused on the sound of his voice than what he was sure. saying necessarily. Okay. okay. So let me let give me, me let give me, me a hint. Give me a hint. Well, how he uh, introduces Jane Campion. Oh, he says she's from Australia. Yes. Yes, and she's not. She's not. She's key. She's a Kiwi. She is a Kiwi. So this really stuck in my in my craw when I was watching. Yeah. The so that is a ten part TV show. So I listened to that bit of narration in the intro ten times when I when I watched it, and uh, so I'm not a Kiwi, but you know I, I do like sticking up for Kiwis. And well, I mean, you have children who are Kiwis, exactly. so I would expect nothing less. And there's this whole thing that, which you might not, oh, you might know about. So Australia likes to claim a lot of Kiwi things. So Russell Crowe is a Kiwi, yes. but Australia claims him. Pavlova uh, was invented by Kiwis. Australia, really? Think, yeah, Australia thinks they invented Pavlova. I would have thought that Pavlova came from like Russia. Well, it was named after after something like that, but uh, oh, the, the, the actual dessert was a New Zealand invention. So, Amazing. if someone is claiming Jane Campion as an Australian, to me, that's pretty bad. So. 
I so I'm totally with you on this because this happens frequently to this day. Um, whenever the Golden Globes or the Oscars or the BAFTAs are on, if someone like Saoirse Ronan or Paul Meeskill or um, the countless other Irish actors are up for anything, the and everyone is not even just like the tabloid, like the Guardian will still get it wrong. This would be like, and the Brits are up for all the awards tonight. I'm like, they're not British. Yeah, they're from Ireland. Yeah. No, I can. <laughs> and I, I don't. And I don't even do like I'm very careful about it in terms of like you know if it was someone like Jamie Dornan. Yeah. And they said the Brits are up. I don't know if Jamie Dornan identifies as British or Irish, so I would let that one slide. Yeah, yeah. But when they are quite firmly and quite decidedly from the south. Yeah. They're Irish. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a claiming thing, isn't it? They sort of like claiming the success of a, a different country. And for so, yeah, you know, Americans obviously don't understand the difference. Uh, so no. that's why yeah, you get that quite often. So Matt Cousins and what he says is true to a degree because a lot of her films early on were Australian productions. I think mm. she gravitated towards Australia and that's where she got, you know, funding and, and such. So it is sure. it is true to an extent, but it's still inherently wrong. It's still factually incorrect. Yeah. yeah. So Absolutely. Uh, a couple of years ago, I I heard, because I follow him him on Twitter, he said because he had a he had a follow-up film to that series coming out. And as part of that follow-up film, he'd gone back and he'd uh, remastered the original series and was was putting it back out to stream. Oh my god! You've you've I think I've seen this. You like what you went for him on Twitter, didn't you? Well, I didn't go and for Jane, him. I I I. You pointed out his mistake. Yeah. So I originally, when I first saw it, I tweeted him and I said, "Just finished the story film. Simply fantastic." But could you please recut the opening titles and credit Jane Campion as a New Zealander? I really hope your next series isn't the story of Pavlova. Trans Tasman relations couldn't take it. <laughs> Love from New Zealand. So I was quite happy. You know, I was quite. Uh, yeah. I wasn't having a complete go. Uh, no response. And then two years later, when he tweeted that he was redoing it, I tweeted him and said, "Can you at least redo the intro and credit Jane Campion as a New Zealander?" Brackets, not an Australian. Loved everything else, everything in caps. No response. And then, uh, so last year, I think, yep, when the the new version came out. No way. Have a listen to this. So he just remastered it, essentially. This is the the film follow-up to that series. Gotcha. Okay. At the end of the 1800s, a new art form flickered into life. It looked like our dreams. Movies are a multi-billion dollar global entertainment industry now. But what drives them isn't only box office or showbiz, it's passion, innovation. Stanley Donan innovated when he made Singing in the Rain. In New Zealand, Jane Campion made films that were both modern and gothic. Kyoko Kagawa, was in perhaps the greatest movie ever made. Yay! <laughs> but you never, but you never got credited. Never got cre- credited, and he never, not, he, not even so much as a response. Not even a response, and I'm claiming it as as a win. One hundred percent. Because I reckon that if I had not sent those tweets, 
and maybe other people tweeted I'm, I'm not sure but uh you know it, potentially it, it felt like a, an answer to that tweet in in some way 100 percent. I, I would i would have claimed it as a personal victory as well so 100%. i'm i'm probably never going to get matt cousins on this podcast so the <laughs> next you best have the thing, next best thing because I, I, i'd like comment I just like it i'd like comments please <laughs> I don't sound anything like him, is the comment. (laughs) (laughs) He is clearly, I would say that he's either a Fermanagh man or a Tyrone man. I'm a a County Down man, so our cadence is completely different. Sure, yeah. So you've probably noticed that whenever I say things, I tend to go down at the end. Whereas whenever he says things, he goes up at the end. So there's a real intonation difference there. Yeah. I'll try not so to uh, you can, you make can, a well, uh, double entendre. You can just tell Willow that she's incorrect, <laughs> and, and she can she can find someone else that I sound like. <laughs> so yeah, that's or maybe my, there's uh, just no one that sounds like me. Yeah, maybe I am the only person who yeah. sounds like me. That's my Matt Cousins story, anyway. It's a good story, and actually, I think I did know because either either you posted about it on, you may have done the whole this tweet versus this tweet thing as a Facebook post. And that may, might be yeah, where maybe, I saw it. Maybe. But I definitely I definitely knew about this. So I've, I've heard the story, but I hadn't seen the clips. Mm. So that's very cool. Nice. Very cool. Well done. Thank you. Do you have a favorite actor? I do, but I feel like I feel like you're going to be well, let me I'll flip the script. Who do you think I'm going to say? Uh well, I think it's going to be a female actor. You correct. And I would probably say Sersha. It's not Sersha. I think Sersha is an exceptional actress and everything she's in is amazing. But it's a little bit more obvious than that. Okay. Um, it's well, I have two. Can I pick two? Yeah, you most certainly can. Okay, I'm going to pick two because I think that they're both like granddams of the screen mm. in their own right, and Street. everything they do for me is Streep. Streep is one hundred percent because there's nothing she can. I mean, I've seen the woman play a male rabbi in in a TV <laughs> series, and I didn't know it was her. Yeah. Um. So there is, there, I believe there's nothing that she can't turn her hand to. And my other fav, favorite actor, female actor, is Viola Davis. Mm. Because I think that she's just a force. And interestingly, obviously, they were both in the film Doubt. Not an amazing, yep. not an incredible film. Not one you're ever going to write home about. But I, And Streep is fine in that. But Viola Davis is in it for approximately eight minutes. And... In those eight minutes, she gives one of the greatest performances I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Like totally raw, incredible. And I think since that moment, she's just become such a force. Yeah. Yeah. It's so inc- th- those, are, those are my choices. Uh, I feel like that's like, they're very typical gay male responses to give to that question. <laughs> they're fantastic uh, answers though. I, you know, I can't, I can't fault either of them. Yeah, I mean, Streep has had such a long, illustrious career that you could, of course, find some duds in there. Of course you could. Yeah. You could find them in, even in your favourite actor or 
actors, you know, film resume, you would find a dud. But for the for the most part, I think she's made excellent choices, yeah. and she's a, she's a chameleon. Like you know, I've seen. I, I'm very. I've got a good ear, so I can tell whenever somebody's doing like a good job with an accent or not. And she rarely goes wrong with the accents. I would say she's pretty spot on. Like her Lindy Chamberlain. Come on, that's that's like pretty much no perfect. Mm. You've seen that, right? No. Cry in the dark. What? I saw it. I have seen it. Sorry, I saw it when I was young, when my okay. parents watched it. So obviously, it went over my head. Uh, sure. You were just so, glad that you weren't the, the baby that had been uh, pretty much. I I have, I have it in my watch list to revisit, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Well, when you do, I think that I think you'll be impressed with her performance, and it. it's obviously one of her her earlier ones. Well, not the '80s, isn't it? Yeah. So it's like. Early-ish in her career, yeah. Um, I think she was nominated for an Oscar for it. Didn't win for that, but she is pretty flawless in that. And I think it's quite a. I watched clips of Lindy Chamberlain afterwards, and it's a very she does she does a very clipped. Right. Is it Melbourne? Is it Melbourne accent? I think it might be Melbourne sure. or maybe Brisbane, but it's a very clipped Australian accent. So I feel like there would have been a way for her to go very. She could have ended up in some sort of like Kath and Kim territory, yep. but she, she she reins it in. She does her research and she nails that accent. And you're just like, that's indiscernible from Lindy Chamberlain herself. Yep. So, yeah, that whole, I think she's, I, that whole story uh, lends itself to one of my favorite musical jokes, which is that, uh, and I don't know if this is true, I'm presuming it's not, but that there's an Australian Beatles tribute band called... A Ringo stole my baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if that's not true, then should we should be. just start that band. Yeah. Let's just start that band. Yeah. Because I think that's incredible. That's amazing. Wow. I actually haven't heard that before as well. So, so I'm gonna use that. Okay, yeah, do it. So Streep I will credit I will credit you. No, no, please don't. I I'm just the uh, middleman. <laughs> So Streep and Davis, interesting. Uh, do you have a favourite yeah. director? So this, again, was really, really tough because, again, the types of films are like wide variety of films. But I am going to say that when he's at his best, and I do have to caveat it with when he's at his best, I don't think that there are many who can compare to Chris Nolan. When he does his best work, that's some sublime shit. Right? Would you agree or I disagree? Would, I would wholly agree with you. Okay, good. But you know that he's done some shit work too, right? Uh, I wouldn't say any anything he's done. Even following. Tenet? Not Tenet, I loved. Even following, which is his debut. Everyone thinks Memento is his debut, but it's following. I didn't enjoy, but I'd never say that it was shit. It was just, uh, it was just an exercise. What about, what about Interstellar? I loved Interstellar. I really? I don't think it's his best. No, uh, far from it. What did I think about Interstellar when I rewatched it? I've only seen it twice, I think, because it didn't. I think I would probably. I think I would probably have to revisit Tenet and Interstellar because I think possibly the issues I have with them is that I feel like they were too complex. The the concepts in them were too complex for me to grasp in that moment, and. Yeah, they just didn't work for me. 
I think whenever Anne Hathaway came out in that weird robotic space, it, all bets were off. I was like, oh dear, where I re- have we gone? I really don't like her. You don't like Anne Hathaway? I'm sorry, I don't. What? Why? Uh, I once heard her interviewed and she was bragging about how much money she'd made off the Princess Diaries or whatever, whatever it was. Oh. And it really set me against her. Interesting. She doesn't seem, I mean, that feels, that feels like that would have been a rookie mistake because her interview style now is much less braggadocious. She's yeah, much I'm more sure. kind of like, oh, aren't, aren't I? She's obviously had like excellent media training since then. I, I'll, I'll, will concede that there was a point probably around the lame is Oscar buzz point when I was like, I've seen enough of you now <laughs> to, yeah. to you, you're, in, you're actually bothering me with your presence. But I think she's had something of a re, renaissance. <laughs> a uh, little bit. I, I've got she two. Was great. She, she was great in We Crashed, which I know was TV, not film. Um, I, yeah, I thought she was excellent in that. And yeah, I like her in things like The Devil Wears Prada. Yeah. I've got time for her in yeah, that. Yeah, no, she's good in that. I have two uh, paragraphs to read you from my letterbox review, which explains what I thought of Interstellar. Amazing. Uh, okay. My biggest concern with Interstellar is the swiftness of the first act setup. It's terribly brief, too brief, in fact, that it makes the rest of the film difficult to swallow. And it's something that repeats all the way through the film, where knee-jerk decisions are made without that time-consuming science stuff getting in the way. Just like a lot of Nolan films, there's far too much going on here. It feels like two films worth of story, at least. In fact, Nolan could pro- pos- probably fill a film up with just the Earth-based stuff at the beginning and leave all the space stuff 100%. for the sequel. 100%. I agree with that totally. Um, wouldn't Would we say, though, that if you're writing a review and it starts with <laughs> one of my biggest concerns about Interstellar, would we say that that doesn't slightly fall into the category of it being a little bit shit? Yeah, agree. Uh, yeah, agree. Like, I'm not saying it's it's not awful, but when you know what he's capable of, you're like, come on, man. That's not that's not what we want. My, my biggest concern with him as a director is he's sort of disappearing up his own ass a bit too much. This were, this does concern me. And I actually only became aware of this in the last year or so. I actually thought, oh, wow, I bet he's a really humble British man, like very down to earth. And then I read some stories and I was like, oh, that's quite disappointing. Yeah. Because I don't really want to, you know, I want to honor people's art, but I'm less inclined to do so whenever that person's an arsehole. Yeah. You F- know? Favorite Nolan? You know what it is. Come on. It's The Dark Knight. Is it? Every day, oh my God, I think, so I know that one of your questions is, what what is my favorite film? And that was going to be one of the choices, but I'm not going to use that one now because I have a second one, Um, because I'll talk about Dark Knight here and now. It's note perfect. Oh, nice. That is a good cover. I like it whenever, see, even though I'm not a vinyl collector, I do appreciate like the like the style oh wow that, wow that's quite unexpected yeah I like so it, i have i have the three uh soundtracks for the dark knight trilogy and this is a beautiful so just to explain because obviously man looks at 
object isn't great podcast material, but the first disc of this is a lovely for our listeners is a lovely green and purple splatter. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's very nice. Which, which again, you wouldn't expect. Doesn't really seem to fit. Although I guess it's kind of like a, a homage to the the Joker yeah. and yeah. the chaos. Anyway, the Dark Knight is perfect, including its score, by the way, which is masterful one of hans's best yeah lovely johnny's just showed me for our listeners johnny just showed me one of the other vinyls which is green with a sort of mauve splatter you don't like the dark knight no i love it i think it's a flawed masterpiece uh flawed yeah where's I, the flaw because it's too long and particularly oh, i didn't want it to end well <laughs> <laughs> I think most of it is fantastic. I love the fact that it's it's more like a heat Michael Mann film yes. in terms of like yeah. the sprawling uh criminal underworld. But I think he it's like it's like you read my mind. So people are because people are very surprised whenever I say that it's listed as one of my favorite films, because they know me to not be somebody who's into superhero films. I don't I have no interest in the Marvel universe. Yep. That that's all too complicated for me. Black Panther aside, I quite enjoyed that one. But the rest of it, keep it. Um, so whenever I say that, people are like, oh, I didn't really have you down as like a superhero thing. I'm like, it's not really a superhero yeah. film. I'm like, it's a crime thriller. It and it just happens to have Batman in it. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's just so... Everything about it I love. Like the cinematography I love. The music I love. the style, Just the styling of it I love. And obviously the performances are great. I think that, you know, so many people just bring their A game to that film. Yeah. That it's just yeah, I, case. I prefer as a Batman film and as a Christopher Nolan film, I prefer Batman Begins. Ooh, interesting. Again, I don't know if I've ever heard anyone list people you uh, usually either say that they like the Dark Knight or the Dark Knight Rises. They're obviously wrong when they say the Dark Knight Rises. Yes. Um but Batman Be- Batman Begins I think I wanted more from it. So I kind of, I felt like we spent so long in terms of like the, and I think I I might be treading on a sort of like spoiler moment for one of your future questions, but I I kind of felt like there was too much of the old kind of Jedi learn from me, young grasshopper kind of moments in it. And I was like, oh, can't we just get to him like dealing with the villains already? Yeah. And I was, and I wasn't overly enamored nor scared by Killian Murphy's, um, what's he called? Scarecrow. Scarecrow. I was a bit like, is that it? I love that. You know, I love that did it you? was such a minor character. Uh, you know, a minor bad guy. You know, they didn't go with the Joker or the Penguin or yeah. what they've done before. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, oh! I liked. I was. I was excited for that. Whenever mm. I knew that that's what they were doing, and that and that it was going to be Killian, I was so up for it. But then I just felt a little disappointed in the same way that I felt incredibly disappointed by um, Dano's um, Riddler. Yeah. I was like, what is that? That's not the Riddler. That's just very, that's just a very bleak, yeah. weird guy in a gimp mask. Like, I'm, you, I'm, I, I feel like you maybe liked the Batman, did you? I'm on the fence about it. I, I enjoyed it. But I don't know if I'd watch it again. Like, I've seen it twice now. No. And it was so bleak, which I love. And that's the thing I love about Batman. When I when I think back, when I used to read the, the comic book before yeah. even the Tim Burton one, 
it was the bleakness and the constant rain. Totally. And it was like three hours of that, which I really enjoyed. But do I want to keep rewatching that? Yeah, I'll I'll never. I, it won't get a rewatch from me, but I will probably. I would say every couple of years dig into the Dark Knight. And you know what? Off the back of this meeting that we're having, I will give Batman Begins another try. Yeah. And see and see if it's sort of like if it's aged. Maybe I just watched it at the wrong time in my life, you yeah. know? Maybe now is the right time for me to appreciate it. Sure. Do you have a favourite cinema? So I this, the, the sad tale about this is that I did have a favourite cinema and it is no more. Oh. Um, so it's, it's a cinema called The Alban in London and it is one of those very ornate, beautiful... It had like velvet curtains, a, a much smaller screen than your standard cinema, but I didn't really care about that. Uh, sofas, a bar at the back, nice. waiters who would bring you things like hot chocolate or a hot toddy, if that was your preference. Um, they had blankets they would hand out as well when you were sitting on your sofas and watching the films. If you wanted to be, just be more comfy or wanted to do some canoodling with a significant other. <laughs> Um, so it was just beautiful and it was just what a wonderful space to like experience a film in. But <laughs> and I don't know if this is what, what killed it. The last thing that I saw there, and I should also preface this by saying that it only has space for about 30 people in there. So it's a very intimate yeah. viewing, viewing experience. You're experiencing that with t- 29 other people. Yeah. And the last thing that I saw was... <laughs> The Tree of Life. Yeah, and, that would kill. And, and well, we just we nobody walked out, which you know, all credit to everybody who who stuck it out. But when you're in the sit in that kind of environment, and then the lights go up, we almost all felt like we needed to have a, a silkwood shower afterwards. Yeah, and every but everyone laughed. So there was this sort of like titter that went around the whole room that then sort of became a guffaw that then became just like sure. uproarious every we were sort of like so appalled and also hilarified by what we all just like collectively experienced yep. um that we couldn't stop laughing so it was just 30 people laughing their way out of the cinema what a weird film that happened with me with uh, perfume the story of a murderer I like that film. Do you? A lot of people like <laughs> but that I film, re- but but I love Ben Whishaw. The, the, specifically. Oh, that's right. Of course, the uh, the cinema I saw it in, and it's become like a, a you know a humorous touch point in terms of being the worst film ever between uh, <laughs> myself and one of my friends, uh, and yeah, people were just rolling around in laughter at it, at it. Why did you? What did you particularly not like about it? Just that it's silly. Yeah, just the dialogue. It was very self self uh important and i was... quite liked him though because he's kind of like oh what i did a, i did a bad murder <laughs> he is a little bit like something from um you've seen psychoville the yes. league of yep. gentlemen yep. follow-up yeah he's a little bit like david isn't he yes david <laughs> it's john it's john did david not john don
Do you have a controversial movie opinion? I do, but it's a really basic one that I think, I think again, won't surprise you. Um, I have less than zero time for any Star Wars films. Fair enough. Always have, always will. My ex-boyfriend tried to make me watch some of the new ones, and I was like, yeah, these new ones are fine. They're okay. But I've got, I, I have no interest in it. As a, as a genre, that kind of sci-fi doesn't appeal to me. Right. I like films set in space, yeah. like more realistic ones, like, you know, Apollo 13, something like that would be interesting to me. Um, gravity. But no, I've got no interest in science fiction whatsoever. So, yeah, that that's out for me. Is that controversial? Probably. I guess to some extent it is. I mean, when you consider that the whole of Hollywood seems to be... Uh, Obsessed with it. Yeah, and modelled on trying to replicate its success without actually doing any hard work to uh, come up with something yeah. original. Do but you like it? Are, I, you, like a, are I, you big into it? I used to be. Okay, but now I feel like we're hit over the head with a sledgehammer with so much of it that it. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, I feel like the whole Disney Plus yeah. acquiring it and and writing every character as, you know, biopic yeah. is uh, unnecessary. I'm interested to see what Taika Waititi does because, so he's he's well, apparently writing and directing can... a new, uh, you know, a new part of the Star Wars universe because he doesn't like the fact that every Star Wars film just references other Star Wars films. Mm. And he says, he's quoted it saying, you know, uh, I don't want to write a film where, oh, look, we've just found the blueprints to the Millennium Falcon or, or this character right. is Chewbacca's <laughs> grandmother. And uh, he's, he's completely See, yeah, right. I even understand some of these references. Yeah. So that's good. Um, I would prefer that um, Taika spent his time making the second season of Our Flag Means Death. Interesting. So, have you seen that? I have not. However... Oh my God, it's so good. They have just filmed the second series, probably two miles from where I live. Yeah. But um, you should definitely watch it, because it is hilarious. Uh, He's amazing in it. The writing's impeccable. It's funny as all hell. I watched it with my dad, and my dad just fell about for laughing. It's brilliant. I like Star Wars, but I completely understand people that don't like Star Wars. Okay, it's the same enough. with James Bond. I'm a big James Bond fan, but I, I fully understand yeah, that people don't like... Yeah. It's also not really for me, yeah. but I feel like that's not that controversial. Star Wars seems to be universally loved by most people. So, yeah. and this controversial. This next question, I guess, is the same question, man. I think you might answer the same answer, but what don't you like in terms of movies? Mm, maybe in terms of maybe, genres. Maybe. You know what? You know what I don't like. Actually, there's a there's a sort of new trend now, and I actually think that you like this trend, but I don't like it. Um, what I don't like is whenever a fi- there are a few exceptions, but I don't like it whenever a film doesn't have a clear narrative. So, the exception. I'll tell you the exceptions, and then I'll tell you one that I hate. So, exceptions to that would be something like uh, mid mid nineties or the Florida Project. Yeah, like. They, they don't have linear narratives but i really enjoyed them red rocket would be another good example of something that doesn't have like a linear narrative that i really enjoyed yep. however then you get batshit ones like and i know you like this so you're going to be annoyed that i've said it licorice pizza mm. i just I, I, everything about that i hated i was like wow. what is this what okay. am i watching and i love i love him as a director interesting but i just i didn't know what was going on there 
and I wasn't here for it. Yeah, that <laughs> that type of film I really enjoy. So I'd put things like Dazed and Confused in there where nothing really happens. It's just, you know, a film yeah. that's, that is is trying to replicate a certain time or feel. With Nail and I, I would I would put in that that sort of uh yeah i think there are exceptions to to yeah what i've just said for sure. sure but i think i think if if it doesn't have a narrative and i don't fully understand what is trying to be achieved yeah. i'm just kind of left a bit cold yeah and i think because of the hype of licorice pizza i was just like oh, i just don't i don't want anything to do with this yeah so yeah. Film of the year so far? Film of the year so far. God, we are at the end of the year. Jesus. Am I allowed to check my letterbox quickly? Please do. I can tell you what I didn't enjoy. Every, everything, everywhere, all at once. That's interesting. That's my film of the year so far. And I when that was a bit overrated. My, my friend who I share the disdain for Perfume, the story of a murderer, he also had that that uh, that reaction to it, and he he you know he said to me, <laughs> "I found a film that is worse than Perfume: Story, The Story of a Murderer." So yeah, and uh, <laughs> it seems to be quite divisive. I love that. Yeah, um, this is a tricky one because there hasn't been clearly there hasn't been that many amazing ones that have like stuck out to me. Do you know what I'm going to pick? Mm. And maybe it's not the most exciting of choices. It was actually one of your recommendations that I watched and loved, and it was uh, "Cha Cha Real Smooth." Nice. I thought, I thought that was lovely. That. Yeah, it was. A lovely I thought film. that was. A, I thought that was a lovely film. I thought just everybody in it was perfect. So yeah, great film and feel good. I feel yeah. good about my choice actually. Yeah, no, that's yeah. good. Did you catch up with his film before that yet? I haven't, but I have got it downloaded. Okay. Yeah. ready to watch yeah. so yes it's on the list be interested to see what you think of that but yeah it uh cha-cha reels move apart from its title which i don't really like yeah it's quite a That's hard film to uh recommend to someone when they say oh what's that then move. yeah because it's a line from that stupid song isn't it yes and uh i really enjoy him he's fantastic like you say, he's, he's great a, he's, he's going places threat. he is going places if he is not like egotting yeah at some point in the future i will be shocked and appalled and i really like her for any particular reasons what's her name <laughs> dakota 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 johnson that's right yeah. yeah and you also had um leslie mann in there in a in yeah. slightly different role for her but i really enjoy her in most things i enjoy She's her also i enjoy her a I was lot. Gonna, I was going to say, I was like, Leslie Mann has aged extremely well. Yeah. Extremely well. Let's just put it that way. Dakota Johnson and her Fifty Shades of Grey co-star, who you referenced Jamie before. Dornan. Yeah. I had written them off early in their career because of being in that film. Yeah. And I, only just watched, I only just watched the first one last week. The uh, first what? Oh, the first. You've actually watched them? I mm. couldn't watch them. I thought they were just so terrible yeah it was it was was pretty bad but and uh, he's very bad at accents every incredibly bad at accents. everything i've seen them in since has been fantastic yeah I'm, I'm i'm i haven't seen that stupid irish film that he's in that wild mountain time whatever it's called i've not seen so that. i've heard so it's a good thing because it's got christopher walken doing irish which uh, sounds uh, fantastic but that's what i mean i feel like if i watch that film i'm just gonna <laughs> cringe from start to finish but I absolutely loved him in um, Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. So yes, fantastic. He was perfect in that. 
Yeah. Okay, that's a good answer. I I approve of your answer. Thank you. That would have been awful if you didn't. I know. Uh, Favourite Christmas film, as this is our Christmas episode. Favourite Christmas film. Do you know what? I'm going to go for Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Nice. And you choose that one over the first one? Yeah, I do, actually. I just I think there's more... There's more going on in that one. Sure. I do, the, the, scale, the scale of it is obviously bigger because of where he is. So there's more scope for the shenanigans. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I love the first one as well. They're sort of like classics, right? Did you expect that I would pick that? Uh, well, I actually thought you were going to choose Love Actually. No. Love Actually, I really... Love Actually is, is a film that I watched in 2003 and thought, oh, what a lovely film. And then watch it in 2005 and was like, oh, it's still a nice, feel-good film. And now I watch it and I'm like, oh, everybody in this film deserves nothing. Yeah. You all deserve nothing. You all deserve less than nothing. It is very much a Terrible. nothing film. But it seems yeah, to have become, it's become a, this standard. It's become more nothing over time, though, I feel. Like, the more I watch it, the more I just see, like, poke holes in it yeah. a little bit. Yeah, there we go. That's So, yeah, Home Alone. Kevin for the win. Final question. Yes. The big one. I've been waiting for it. Been what film for it. is absolutely perfect in your eyes? What film? Do you have a do you have a guess as to what I might pick? Um, I have no idea my, what I, you're going to say. A film it might surprise you based on one of my previous answers about what I don't like in film. Hmm. But a film that I think is absolutely perfect from start to finish, even in all its sort of like weirdness and non-linearness is Magnolia brilliant i think it's fantastic love it i think it's just one of the best films ever made and i remember watching it at the time when it came out and loving it but being confused by it and every watch since i've understood a bit of it more and appreciated a bit of it more and yeah i just think it's there's not a single thing wrong with that film and of course of course i have the the soundtrack this is a beautiful three disc that is really nice uh yeah and I'll I'll try and show you some of the. So oh wow! This is all frogs, f- frogs landing, but this is a lovely three disc uh, soundtrack put out by Mondo, which is one of my favourite record wow. labels. First disc is all the songs by Amy Mann. Amy, of course. And then discs two and three is this score by John Bryan, who I also really love as a as a composer. Underrated, I would yeah. say. I would say that's my favourite Paul Thomas Anderson film. I love it. Hundred percent, definitely. It's amazing, and I feel I feel almost a little bit bad about, you know, all the smack talk about licorice pizza. I would have thought if you love Magnolia so much that licorice pizza would be right up your street, but obviously not. It just wasn't something about it. Just wasn't jiving with okay. me. Whereas Magnolia, I just think is incredible. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why. I may, maybe we'll have to revisit licorice pizza, but Magnolia had me from the get and still has me to this day every time I watch it. And it is one of those things where you just, you know, you just have your comfort films yeah. that you go to. It's one of those ones. If I'm like, if I don't know what, what to watch, I'll watch Magnolia. Cause I know I'll love it from start to finish. That the, the thing I always, when I think about it, I just smile so much. Just that last hour where everything yeah. is building up and building up and building up. <laughs> and it's, it becomes the most tense thing ever. And yeah. I, I, then obviously spoiler alert, it uh, it sort of releases with the with the <laughs> with the frogs with the frogs. It's wild. 
it is it's wild. wild, but it's but it's perfect. It is perfect, and I, I, I might watch it this weekend. Lovely, just because I, I feel I feel inspired to watch it far more than a Christmas film. Aside from Licorice Pizza, are there any other films by him that you've not appreciated? No, I th- no, I think I'm generally down with his direction. Yep. I just think that, and I think that is, that's partly why the disappointment for Licorice Pizza was there. Sure. Because I was like, this just doesn't feel, it does feel like you, like it feels like his style, but it just feels like the, all the elements haven't pulled together in the right way. Sure. As disparate as all his ideas always are, it just, it always feels like there is some sort of like lesson to be taken from it. Yeah. And I just didn't really know what the lesson was in that one. But I thought Alana, I thought Alana Heim was was very good. Yeah. Like you know, but actually they were all in it, weren't they? Yeah. That's their new thing. That's they right. Sing, yeah. They yeah. The the thing I really liked about Licorice Pizza is that it felt to me like a Paul Thomas Anderson greatest hits film. Because you get the yeah you get the the vibe and the feel of Boogie Nights. And I like that a lot as well as Boogie a film. Nights. Great film. And you also yeah. get the like the swirling fate of uh magnolia yeah uh and that's why i enjoyed it uh yeah i can i can see that and maybe maybe you kind of hit the nail on the head maybe because it felt like a greatest hits like it maybe was just a bit too montagey for Mm. me do you know what i mean like we jumped from from too many different places to ideas too fast and maybe that's what it was and i would say the the sort of like twisted love story of something like Punch Drunk Love as well. It's those those three things yes. put in a blender, which I I enjoyed. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Maybe you just want maybe it's just one too many toppings on a pizza. For me, <laughs> you know, and that's and that's where it went wrong. There we go. Fan- fantastic. I approve, I approve of your your answer. I approve <laughs> I'm glad. Of I'm, I feel like I'm mostly glad that I just haven't said anything too embarrassing when you where you've just been like you've got zero film credentials whatsoever i actually that, don't that, think i'll ever speak to someone who i'll be disappointed with in that way because i think i'm only going to everyone's got some, everyone's got something valid to exactly say, and i'm well. only going to speak to people that i respect either if it's someone i know because i like them or if it's someone i you know if it's a stranger to me like obviously karen o'leary was a was a stranger to me it's i just yeah. like her good Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. All the best too. for the year, yes. the good year 2023. <laughs> can only, things can only get better, right? It can, especially... I mean, Donald, uh, run, Donald Trump is running for president again. What could possibly go wrong? Well, watch this space. <laughs> I know, exactly. Well, listen, thanks for having me. Yeah, Sorry thank you. for taking up so much time. No, 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 I it's hope good. that you're able to... Uh, because you've now got to go and do your day job, right? I do. I've got a meeting in very soon, yeah. and I'm presenting something this morning, which I'm not. I've not really prepared. We're for, on. But I'll, I'll wing it. We, we really are in like different different worlds, aren't we? Because I'm literally have wrapped up for the evening of work, yep. and you're just about to start your day. That's right. And and you're in the future. I am in the future. So no spo- no, spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. I don't want to know. I don't want don't want to know how it ends. <laughs> I want to be surprised. Uh, thank you, David. All it's right. been a fantastic chat. And Thanks it's, it's always me, great speaking to you. You too. We don't do it enough. I'll send you more voice notes. I'll make them longer next <laughs> Please time. Please do. <laughs> All right. Thank Love you. to the fam. You too. Speak Bye-bye. Soon. Bye. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over.
huge thank you to my guest, David McCann. It really was a great time catching up with him. As we're heading into a wild season, it's worth pointing out that David is famous on social media for his razor sharp and frankly, hilarious critiques of the red carpet fashion choices of the Hollywood elite. I always look forward to these, and if that sort of thing sounds appealing, please seek him out. Thanks also to James Van Ass, who wrote and performed the brilliant music, and to Willow Van Ass, who designed the amazing artwork and provided general podcast support. Please like and subscribe to the show. You can contact the show on Twitter at MyMovieDNA or email MyMovieDNA at gmail.com. Have a Merry Christmas and a wonderful New Year. Hope 2023 is everything you want it to be.